Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Rich Allen. With Avengers and Game of Thrones blowing our mind at the moment, it's only right that League Ash should follow Super. Who slayed the Night King? Who has saved the world? But who didn't make it out alive? Maybe not so much on that, but plenty on the football, at least, after the latest headlines. On Friday night, Leon got to winning ways again with a 3-2 victory over Bordeaux that didn't come without some adversity. The away side went 1-0 up through Memphis but Depay, but Bordeaux were 2-1 up before they saw um, before Jovakanovic saw red as it was 2-2, with a third goal coming in the last 10 minutes. On Sunday, as the games were moved for the Coupe de France final, the important game happened in Caen as they managed their second victory in a row over bitter rivals for the relegation places. Dijon, the 1-0 victory lifting them over their opponents and just three points off of Monaco, who have a game in hand this midweek. Another important result in the relegation fight is Nice's 3-0 victory over bottom side Gengom. Yusuf Atal's hat-trick um, ended the fight from the Britain side who had a couple of chances in the game but remained rooted to the bottom and now five points away from that relegation playoff place with four games remaining. Lille got a very important 5-0 victory with 10 different people involved in the goals. Five different assist makers, five different goal scorers, one of the best stats you'll see as they strengthen their grip on second place. While Saint-Etienne keep the pressure on Lyon and have a bit of a buffer for the Champions, uh, for the Europa League spot with a 2-0 victory over Toulouse, thanks to a Robert Berich double. Elsewhere, Angers and Reims played a one-all draw, which at least omitted Reims' recent four-game slide. Amiens and Strasbourg played an unentertaining nil-nil draw, despite the interesting moment of a first female referee in Liga. Unfortunately, her first game wasn't too eventful. And the final game on Sunday saw Olympic Marseille, unfortunately for them at least, fall back in that European race as they finished with a 2-1 defeat to Nantes, who were on some hot streak at the moment. And the important game of the weekend, some may say, on Saturday was the fact that Ran put as well, Ren stunned Paris Saint-Germain on penalties to win the Coupe de France final. It was the Brazilian pair of Neymar and Dani Alves who put the favourites in front before a Presnel Kimpembe own goal. And a Mexa header in the second half equaled the scores. Kylian Mbappe saw red for an awful challenge in the final seconds of extra time before perfect penalties meant that a knockout round was needed, with Christian Nkunku being the unlucky man to sail it over the bar and see Ren win their first first trophy since 1977. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week, where else, especially with Rich in the hot seat, but that Coupe de France final, it, it but it's a, it was an excellent game, two and in throwing, and, and exactly what we want from a cup final that has sometimes really been dominated by Paris Saint Germain in recent years. But 
Rich, we, we sometimes focus a little bit too much on the losers, especially when they're a big favourite in these kind of games. But let's focus on your team, Ren, first and have a bit of a gush and get you out of your <laughs> system at least. Anyway, it's it, it must be an immense feeling. It's been a long time coming since they've last won a, a major trophy in French football, even though they've had a, a couple of a good opportunities for it. But what a way to win. I mean, it's it's sometimes a little bit of a lottery and you're on the, the edge of your seat, but it's it's a massive result, not just for this season and, and silverware and, and the things that Stefan has done, but for next season as well. They've guaranteed European football. Now it's it's an accumulation of a number of things. And what has been, in the end now at least, been an impressive season. Yeah, exactly. I think amongst the Ren fans, of which I'm fortunate to count myself as one, I, I think relief was probably the overriding emotion, um, closely followed by, you know, sheer joy, of course. But as you say, Ren have, have come so close so often recently. Um, you know, we go back 10 years and, you know, they lost to Ligue de Saint Gangon, or then Ligue de Saint Gangon uh, in the Coupe de France final. They've lost another Coupe de France final back in, in, um, in 2014, uh, also to Gangon. They lost the Coupe de la Ligue final in 2013 to Saint-Étienne. So I think coming into this final was probably the first final where they were heavy underdogs. And I think to have gone down to two, to two goals within the opening 20 minutes, two very good goals, I would add, um, you know, I, and I'm sure I wasn't alone watching that game, were fearing, you know, this could be an embarrassment. We've seen, you know, sort of embarrassingly one-sided finals recently when when PSG have been involved because of their, their sheer dominance. Um, so it was just fantastic to see the team not let that that sort of early blow. As I say, 20 minutes down, 2-0 down, 20 minutes gone, 2-0 two, two down, and PSG looking really dominant. You know, it was really encouraging, I think, to see that, that that Stefan and the Ren team didn't, you know, didn't let that sort of knock their their confidence. They didn't crumble. They came back. They got the goal before half time. Uh, you know, Stefan gave his team talk that that many have now reported on about the fact that he could sense that there was something not quite you know, with PSG in terms of their game. That Ren could really capitalise on that. They came out. They got their equaliser. Um, you know, I think on the on the on the balance of play, two all at full time felt a uh, you know a reasonably fair score. Um, we obviously then went into extra time. We saw Mbappe's dreadful red card. You know, I thought Ren had done really well in that game, in 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 marking him, in keeping him away from the action. You know, it never really felt as though I mean he hit the post. I think. With it, with an effort in the second half, uh, sorry, in the in the uh, in the first half, but it never really felt he was in the game, and I think that frustration just built up, built up, built up, and bang, you know, it it, it just popped, and it was a it was a dreadful challenge, you, zero complaints. It's as red card worthy a foul as you could possibly see. That then I think was a defining moment. It really was, you know, it's it it gave Ren that. That sort of belief. They were starting to look really tired there. Stefan really delayed um, making his substitutions. You know, it was really deep into extra time before any changes were made. They were looking tired. So to see then PSG go down to 10 men, um, I think was just that confidence boost they needed just before then it went to spot kicks. And, uh, you know, Ren have had a couple of spot, uh, of penalty shootouts already this season. They won one in an earlier round against uh, against Brest. Um, 
They lost one then in the in the Coupe de la Ligue quarterfinals against Monaco, and the penalties in that were appalling. You watch the penalty shootout from Saturday night. Every single one of Rennes' penalties were were firmly struck, were confident. Ariola never got close. There was a there was a real confidence, I think, in in Rennes' approach to that, and that really did pay off. Um, you know, obviously, then Christopher Nkunku, who'd only just come on five to two, three, four, five minutes before the end of, of extra time was unfortunately the guy that missed the penalty. And, you know, everybody has seen, I think, around the world now, the celebrations at, at full time of Kubek running the length of the pitch, of Julien Stéphane and, uh, uh, and uh, Olivier Letong embracing, falling to the ground, pumping the air, of, of Francois and Francois-Henri Pinot, the, the, the owner and, uh, and former owner of the, the, the Pinot family the celebrations that they were doing this is a long time coming for them they've obviously put a you know they're they're they're, they're breton people they have put a lot of money into this club they are passionate about the club it was just a, a real joy i think to see you could see the outpouring of emotion and it was relief it was joy it was just so refreshing to see so nice to see um you know we've the on on running the, the long running joke about Ren, of course, is that oh, this sort of loser club, this the sort of bottlers of France who have really sort of failed to reach their potential, and all of a sudden now they are a you know they are a cup winner. They've got Europa League back next season when it didn't really look like it was going to be on. You know they obviously did really well in the in the Europa League this season, but possibly due to the strength of the squad. I think it's had an effect on their league placing and I don't think many Rem fans thought that Europa League was really going to be an option, especially with PSG being the opposition in the final. So as we've got that back, all of a sudden, you know, Ren are in the spotlight, players are in the spotlight. It's been reported today that Francois Pino is going to be looking at putting 60 to 80 million uh, into the club in terms of a transfer budget. In addition to the fact that, you know, there may be, may very well be departures. Ismail Assar, Ren are supposedly willing to listen to offers for him. So, you know, there's potentially 30, 40 million coming in for him. And they are a team now. You know, they made themselves quite well known on the on the, the wider stage with their Europa League performances this season. You know, beating PSG in the final will only add to that. And all of a sudden, they are perhaps a viable option for, for a bigger name player. So, it you don't want to get ahead of yourself too much, but it does have that feeling and it, it sort of feels as though we've been here sort of before, although not backed by a cup win. But there is a feeling as though this really could be finally the start of something because they have the financial backing. They have the facilities. Um, you know, they have um, they have the stadium. They have they have everything in their, their capability to really build something now. So hopefully this is just that sort of tip over the edge that they needed to make them really believe in themselves throughout. So it's potentially the start of a really exciting time for Ren. Yeah, and that's quite the funny thing, really, Rich, when you think back to it, because you mentioned a lot of things that, that put Ren ahead, what you would think of a lot of league and clubs at least. But the one deciding factor over the last three, four, five years, I'm thinking back all the way to Philip Montagnier, maybe even before that, is, is manager. And, and that's the real difference that, that Julian Stefan has been doing. I know we've mentioned before how many clubs were sniffing at him. We know that Thierry Henry wanted him as his assistant at, at Monaco before he was promoted um, when uh, Lamouchi was, was 
was get rid of earlier this season, and and he's been terrific. He, he really has, but it's also encapsulates how important sometimes one game can be. I mean, I, I remember myself and Jess talking about on Thursday's show that this game was as important to Wren and their season as it was to Paris Saint-Germain, really, because despite what they had done in the Europa League, which was terrific, and they were a little bit unlucky to face an Arsenal side that are really good at home, at least in the Europa League, at least. And the fact that they'd had a, a, a turnaround, at least anyway, in, in terms of in quality and, and players improving. But if they'd have lost this cup final, there would be no European football next season to build on that success from the Europa League um, that we've had this season. They would have been potentially not just at the moment, if they stayed where they are, that's 11th place finish, which isn't great. But there's no argument that teams below them, like Nantes, who were on fire and, and Angers, who keep picking up points, that they could have finished 13th, 14th even which would have seemed like a real disappointment given how positive that sort of it looked around February time. But this changes everything, doesn't it? A bit of silverware in the cabinet. I mean, I'm sure every single one of the players will be delighted to have a medal uh, and, and, and get European football under their belt again, which would be a, a terrific experience for them, given how they've got a little bit of confidence there. And it really transforms the season. But no, credit to everyone at the club. Credit to Stefan, who, who is certainly building something. I mean, you can see the improvements in the players like um, by Nyong, who's always been sort of a peripheral figure, no, no matter where he's been, um, whether whether it be in France or in Italy, sort of never quite clicked at the moment he wanted to, but he looks much better recently at Rennes. And, and uh, he's gotten a tune out of someone I want to quickly talk about before we go on to, to Paris Saint-Germain, and that's uh, Hatem Ben Arthur, who um, certainly enjoyed himself after the full-time whistle, really, with reporters. And uh, it, 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 we mentioned it was his revenge game, and I'd forgotten about that. And I did back Rennes to win. I think I said on that extra time, though. So I d- don't don't quote me on that bit, at least. But I knew it was the Hatem Ben Arthur thing that, that changed my mind but um his comments at, at full time are, are a mix of both aren't they rich it's, it's definitely something he obviously feels passionate about and he's never wanted to, to shut his mouth or, or keep his thoughts to himself he never has been at him ben arthur but he showed his emotion at the same time he 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 was very proud of of one but also to to get one over uh, nasa el khalifi as well well i think i was i think a lot of people had had obviously seen his um, sort of revitalization of his career with Nice. He got that big move to PSG, which you know he he always would have wanted. That's the kind of person that he is. He wants to play at the top level for the very best. Um, you can't fault him for wanting that. It obviously didn't work out in quite a spectacular fashion at PSG. So you know I don't want to do my own team a disservice here, but to have uh, to have sort of had to walk away from that and join, uh, you know, a in perhaps in his mind and, and to people looking from the outside, a slightly lesser team than PSG in terms of name, I suppose. It, yeah, I can I can see it probably might have it might have very well knocked his, um, you know, his his ego, which we know is obviously a big thing and a big factor for for how he plays and his personality. Um, so this was a big game. This was, you know, potentially this is his final game for Ren. There's there's rumours that he's looking for a, a move to Spain, which is something that he's wanted for a while um, in the summer. So this was this was sort of his final big game for, for Ren and perhaps a chance to remind people, you know what, PSG made a big mistake in in not playing me. Um, you know, there's speculations that... that um, you know, ben Arthur himself didn't really help himself during his time in Paris. But 
you know, whatever happened happened there. But this this was a chance for him to show, you know, PSG made a mistake. I am, you know, a good player. And, you know, by and large, I don't think it was certainly, I don't think it was his very best game for for Ren, but he has shown in the big games he has that ability to to control things. He has that ability to take charge. He's got a level of maturity that I think people often forget. You know, we saw that you go back to the Europa League game in in Seville against Betis. Um, I thought the way that he played in that game was a completely different Ben Arthur than many would have seen. You know, he was he was calm, he was mature, he took charge of the game. There was nothing silly. Um, you know, he played the simple stuff, but he really did sort of dominate that game in a non-flashy way. And yeah, there was flashy moments in the in the in the final on Saturday, but I felt again there was that sort of mature side. And I think maybe the you know, the outpouring of emotion that we saw at the end of that very, very un-Ben Arthur-esque. But then, of course, we saw we then heard very Ben Harfer-esque with his with his comments about getting you know revenge on PSG, and I think he was coming out and saying that he's got nothing against um, nothing against the club. It's just the people that run it um, that you know they were looking at some kind of remontada, but PSG were were familiar with those, and he was not shy in really getting the boot in. And you know, I think. Many people would would perhaps get rubbed the wrong way by that. I think many people can also find a little bit of humour in that, and that that is Ben Arthur. You know, he is the the archetypal Marmite player. You either love him or you hate him. Um, and you know, if if this one season is all we see of him in in a Ren shirt, then it's certainly been a season to to savour because it's been a you know a hugely successful season. I don't think we've necessarily seen him at his niece best. But there have been glimpses. There have been, you know, there have been goals. There have been moments, and he can walk away as a as a as a Coupe de France winner. So, um, you know, it's 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 Ben Arthur in a nutshell, really. In in so much as one minute he's not in the headlines, and very quickly he can he can decide that he, you know, what I want to be part of the headlines, and so goes about making the comments that he made after the game. Yeah, and we all like a little bit of a spice to our superheroes sometimes, don't we? We we like someone with a, he's got a bit of a grit to the glamour, shall we say, a bit about him. He, he always has had that sort of spiky edge, and I'm sure he feels justified in the fact that, in all honesty, he was never really given a chance by PSG. And I know that some may point to the fact that he has sometimes got a bit of an attitude problem, and you might also point to the fact that that it's an incredibly talented squad and there's only certain places for, for a certain amount of players. But at the same time, there just never seemed to be any sort of opportunity for him to play. He played about maybe about six or seven games to the start of the season when he started there and then never really got a look in afterwards. And it took a sort of crazy Instagram story to try and pull away from things. And I'm, I'm sure he's happy to just have that moment where now we can put it in the very back of his mind. He's He's already thrown that thing under the bus now it's it's out of his mind and uh, we can all get on with our lives which is what we would like to do but on on to Paris Saint-Germain and uh, I'll, I'll quickly talk about the game before we talk about some uh, very big talking points especially involving a couple of their players and starting off with the game really they did what Paris Saint-Germain have been like for the last couple of weeks really didn't they Rich it, it was it was a moment where they got themselves ahead. They were pretty comfortable in the first 45 minutes. They they had a lot of good chances. They they didn't put enough of them away, despite the goals from Dani Alves and, and Neymar. And 
then it slowly seeps away. They, they, I think the really the Niang chance to sort of give put the uh, the the cat amongst the pigeons to say that, that it sort of shocked the defence a little bit, and that's what causes the terrible own goal from uh, Kim Pembe, who's had a pretty dreadful season. I'm pretty sure he's he's just waiting for the final whistle on the final day to go, so he can go on his jollies and and maybe get the season out of his head. Really, to be fair, and and then once the goal from Mexico goes in, the panic starts going in. They they're a bit rash. They 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 do this sort of thing that, that I always think of it is almost the old Italian way. You you would see it in the Champions League when a Juventus or an, a, an AC Milan back in the day were 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 getting beaten or, or not results going their way, and they would start flicking out. They would start doing the, the silly moments, and there was a couple, especially. Uh, Killing Mbappe's foul, which I don't know why he's trying to gestate to the referee that he's not really done anything because it's a it's a truly dreadful tackle and um, a sign that he's maybe not quite as mature as we think he is at least on the pitch yet of of keeping his cool when they absolutely would have loved him to take a penalty. I'm sure you would take anyone who scored thirty goals to like to take your penalty. He's got a good chance from the six yard box, especially when your six scorer has has missed it and then ended up costing you the final. Unfortunately, that falls on. Kunku's shoulders, but I'm sure he'll recover from that. But the one I wanted to talk about mainly, Rich, is is Neymar because there's there's an well two incidents of you would say after the after the fact he had a decent game, but first of all when he's collecting his uh, runners up ladder when he's going up the stairs he seems to throw a punch at a, a spectator who had been admittedly gestizing other players so he's not completely guilt free. It was not just an innocent bystander. We uh, we do have to caveat that, but also afterwards him going after his own teammates saying that the younger players need to basically not verbatim but but shut up and and listen to the experienced players on that squad and, and Tuchel understood it sort of the, the moment he's coming from and there's reports that there is that kind of bit and, and Tuchel can't quite understand what's happened to the squad in the last couple of weeks and why they've sort of shut down and thought the season is over a lot of Neymar sort of hinted at a lot of the young players um, seeming like they're, they're, like I mentioned earlier, already on their jollies, ready to be fair. But uh, Rich, Rich on, on sort of both incidents, the, the first one is, is pretty ugly. We don't want to see it, but it is, is, uh, will be probably resulting in a ban, which is petulant from, from Neymar and he should know better. But also his comments on the younger players just show that, that maybe there is something deep-rooted that uh, Veronica Rabio has been mentioning recently. There's a sort of deep-rooted poison within the, the dressing room at Paris Saint-Germain that, is, that sort of stilted them this season. Well, on the incident with the with the spectator, um, it's a difficult one to call, isn't it? You know, obviously, you can't believe you have to say it, but obviously players can't strike you know, supporters, fans, spectators, whatever you want to call them, they can't do that. It's it's an obvious thing to say. Yes, there was goading. Yes, that individual was saying some, um, you know, not particularly pleasant things, accusing Verratti of being racist and, um, and Buffon, I think, not good enough and things like this. So it's obviously not nice things. So you can see why Neymar would have been a bit annoyed. Uh, you know, he's having this camera phone shoved in his face He's going up to collect a loser's medal. That's obviously not something that he's got too much experience of. He's just come back from injury. Um, so, you know, you can see why he'd be, you know, a bit a bit frustrated. You, you can't lash out. You, there's, there's, no, there's no defending that. Um, you know, it's, there, there was no violent, there was no physical violence on the part of, of, the, of the spectator. Uh, it was just sheer frustration on Neymar's part. So, you know, you can see why he was frustrated, but you can't obviously 
condone the manner in which he 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 lashed out. Um, so you know, a ban will come. I'm sure of it. I think on the whole, yes, it's deserved. You know, we don't want to be sending a message out where incidents like that can happen. But you know, there's an element of you can understand the frustration that he'd got. So I think on that incident, yes, Neymar is in the wrong. But you know, prior to that, you can see why he would have been, you know, very, very, you know, cross, angry, upset. Um, about his comments then about the the younger players, I, I mean, I I can see where he's coming from, but I do feel that he it's a little bit rich. Um, you know, he's he's had an injury which again has kept him out for, you know, the business end of the season when PSG really needed him. Yes, okay, the injury is you can't pin that on 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 Neymar, but you know, there's video and pictures of him sort of swanning around, uh, you know, sort of a law unto himself really at PSG back to Brazil. He can sort of go where he wants, when he wants. Um, I have seen question marks raised as could he have come back sooner from the injury? You know, no one here can tell that. That's pure speculation. Only Neymar and, and the PSG medical team would, would be able to tell you that. Um, but yeah, it just strikes me as a little bit rich. You know, you look at when the chips have been down for PSG this season. It's not really the young players that have let them down yet. Yeah, let's go back to the Man United Champions League game. You know, yes, Kimpembe conceded that penalty, but I think we've all agreed now it was hugely unfortunate. I think even the most seasoned of, of professionals um, would have jumped exactly as Kimpembe did, would have done exactly the same as Kimpembe did. He was just victim of an unfortunate, um, you know, sort of um, issue that we've got with VAR and handballs that have, yeah, that's not the only that's not the only uh, incident and an example of that. We've we've seen it numerous times, where the slowing down of replays to to highlight handballs show them off as far worse than they actually are. But you know, let's also remember that that Buffon, you know, probably the most experienced player in that team, committed a far bigger error. I feel in 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 allowing Man United to score one of their early go early goals. Um, you know, there were other senior players that I think really let PSG down. Look at the penalty shootout. Where was Marquinhos, um, you know, in that in that penalty shootout? Why was it Christopher Nkunku, you know, 21, I think he is, had only just come on. Why is it him that's left to take that penalty? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit... It doesn't sit well with me to go after the young players... Um, you know, when the likes of, of Draxler have not been at their best this season. You know, Juan Bernat, I think, was at fault really for for the, the Ren um Kimpembe and goal in this in the in the final on Saturday. There have been times where Danny Alves has been appalled, and there's been times when Verratti's let them down. You know, the senior players have, have hardly shown themselves to be the guiding light that the young players need to follow. I actually think that one of PSG's best players on Saturday night was Colin Dagba. Uh, and you can probably count on one hand the number of games he started this season. Very young, very raw, but I thought he he, he played really, really well in the final. Um, you know, Ariola, Buffon's junior, you know, junior, if you like, but has been by far and away the better of the two goalkeepers at PSG. Um yeah, Kimpembe, and whether whether Neymar's comments were directly intended for Kimpembe and Kimpembe only, only Neymar will know. But 
Kimpembe has had a stinker of a season. He has had a really, really poor season. Um, so whether it was aimed specifically at him, because there have been other PSG players, bear in mind they're not they're not a team well known for playing a lot of youngsters. You know, Tuchel gave Nsoki his chance, has given Moussa Diaby his chance. Um, and I think by and large, they've been all right. You can't be expecting too much from them. Not when you've got, you know, multi-million pound players on the pitch. Why is the onus on the young players to be the ones to get them out of the hole? You know, they had, um, you know, Leandro Paredes, who I think has been a pretty, pretty to borderline very poor signing for 47, was it 47 million, something like that. You know, he has been pretty shocking, I think, since he joined PSG. So I, it doesn't sit well with me. Um, you know, to me, the likes of Dagba, the likes of Diaby, the likes of, of Nkunku, the likes of um, Nsoki haven't played enough for me to feel as though perhaps those comments are aimed at them. I can only assume he's aiming those comments at Kimpembe because, you know, he, he got an unfortunate own goal on Saturday night. He obviously conceded that penalty against Manchester United. So, in individual games, the you know, PSG's singular games, they are perhaps the two biggest of the season so far. And there have been errors from Kimpembe, arguably in both. So I can only assume that he's going after Kimpembe there. It's never good to see a player criticise teammates in, in public like that. I don't, you know, I don't like to see it, regardless of whether there's names involved or not. I really don't like to see it. You know, it's the job, I think, of the captain to come out and criticise the team as a whole. It's the job of the coach to come out and criticise the team as a whole if they've played badly. It's not the job of random players in the team to say, you know what, it's the youngsters that never let us down. They need to listen to us senior players. Because if I'm perfectly honest, I'm not I'm not impressed with that. I've not been impressed for large parts of Neymar's time with PSG. There have been hugely impressive moments, of course. But I think the attitude that Neymar has in that squad, that sort of, you know, he's got, he feels like there's a divine right to do whatever he wants. It, it really, really doesn't sit well with me. And, you know, you can only speculate, you can only second guess. You know, it, it's no coincidence that Mbappe has been in this spectacular run of form of late. You know, Neymar came back, started his first game since his return from injury on Saturday. And that, regardless of the red card, was one of Mbappe's poorest games in a long, long time. And you just wonder, you know, you you could see that in the way that PSG were playing. Everything was being funneled through Neymar. And all of a sudden, Mbappe was, I don't want to say a bit part player, but he was having to sort of scrap for things that he hasn't had to be. And it was just another example. We We, we thought we'd perhaps seen the end of it at the start of the season prior to Neymar's injury. But it goes back to when Neymar first, Neymar and Mbappe first joined. And there were many that felt, could the two of them really work together in the one team? And I think the way that Mbappe has progressed, especially without Neymar being there, has highlighted, you know what, Mbappe is every bit as good, if not in certain parts, better than Neymar. And, and with the attitude that Neymar has, and obviously with a strong Brazilian presence in that squad, Everything was funneled through him on Saturday. And I think that was to the detriment of PSG's performance, if I'm perfectly honest. 
you know, they, they need to, unless one of the, one of those two are going to go, PSG need to remember that what we saw at the start of the season and how well those two can play together when they, when, when they're performing and functioning as a team, because on Saturday night, it felt way too much like it was, you know, the Neymar show, you know, Mbappe wanted it to be his show and you can't have that. If you're going to be, no matter what the game, you can't have that. Um, so I think it really did raise some question marks um, about how how Tuchel re, you know, regains getting the best out of those two when they're playing together because it, it didn't really work for me on Saturday night. No, yeah. you make an excellent point there, Rich, about sort of Neymar's attitude and, and the people he's aiming at. Because like you say, Kimpembe's what well, maybe Tilo Kera is maybe in that category as well, given that he's maybe a more senior version of these young players. Because I mean, uh, I'm, I think if he's aiming in them at uh, Diaby and Nkunku and, and Soki and Dagba, they're, they're players that are looking to leave, really. And there's a reason why their eyes are against the door. It's because players like him and his friends are keeping them out of the squad, really, in all honesty. And, and in all honesty, you, you have to make be look more insinuant in these kind of moments. What could he have done that would have improved his team's chances of winning? What could he have done? Maybe not fly to Brazil a little bit too often? Maybe try and, uh, and come back a little bit quicker if he wasn't so injured all, all the time, really? It's, it's, they are question marks about it when you do make those statements if you aren't really the captain. Because like I say, he's very much protected at, at Paris Saint-Germain at the moment. And there's a number of players. It's, it's funny because we say that they don't really have any depth and they're desperate for players in the summer, but half of this squad wants to go because they're not playing enough football really so it's going to be interesting to see what they do this summer because it's going to be a big one for them and um, most importantly they need to put the trust in in Tuchel to do the job for them I think uh, if there's any sort of lasting doubts of whether um, uh, Angelo Hernandez should, should be continuing as, as, as director of football it should be dismissed by that Paredes signing I mean his last two signings have been Paredes and, and Kira and I can't think of a worse combo in Europe, to be fair, this season of signings because both have been pretty awful, really, and pretty non-existent. I mean, Kerry's made a, a couple of really big, high-profile mistakes, and um, I don't think I've seen Paredes play for Paris Saint-Germain yet. I don't know if anyone else has yet, but um, they can let me know when they do because I don't think I've seen him touch the ball really for them, which is a, a pretty indictment of what he's been playing. And yeah, they need a rethink of the summer, and hopefully, in they can do something in the last couple of games at least to, to salvage a little bit of pride, but it, it will be ending as a, a pretty disappointing season. And um, I'm sure PSG fans will be hoping that Tuchel can take the reins, grab this team by the throat next season in the, and in the summer and, and make something really happen because that's exactly the kind of leadership they need at, at this point in time. But on to matters in Ligue 1 because the, one of the more interesting storylines that comes out of the, the Coupe de France final is like we've mentioned, Rich, that means that um, Rennes will be heading the Europa League next season, which means that fifth place is no longer a Europa League place in France, which cuts a lot of teams off, really. And that includes someone who lost on Sunday night, and that's Marseille. They're now five points behind Saint-Étienne with four games to go. And it's not what they want to hear when, A, they have Lyon coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and they also, B, know that Saint-Étienne are on a pretty tremendous run, despite the fact that they've maybe got some 
should we say sticky fixtures to come? I'm, I'm looking at uh, Monaco away, depending on the result they get midweek against their already jubilant Wren, who don't really <laughs> care about the league anymore. It might, might matter a little bit less. Montpellier, Nice and, and Auger, three teams that you'd never really quite know what you're getting. So they, they, it could be feasible that Saint-Étienne win out, but a pretty dreadful result against for Marseille, just when we were mentioning that they were picking up a little bit of form, at least anyway, if not performance-wise, but they were kind of maybe in a case a little bit lucky that Nantes hadn't took the lead earlier, hadn't won by a couple more goals. Uh, they may argue that they had a couple of chances late on, but again, this this whole Marseille team, especially if they, well, the real talking point isn't just what they'll do in the summer now. It's that if they're missing out on European football completely, that changes the projection and, and what they can do even in the transfer market completely, doesn't it? I mean, it absolutely does. I mean, if if Sunday night's game showed us anything, it's just how rotten that that Marseille squad is. Um, you know, you, you there's a lot of good players there who are no longer good players, but are on an awful lot of money. And I aim that squarely at Payet, and I aim that squarely at Mondonda. You know, they were high-profile players who were bought back from let's say, mixed spells uh, in England. Obviously, Payet's far more successful than Mondondas were brought back. And yes, we saw five months of excellent football from Payet to, to help uh, Marseille get to the Europa League final. Um, and that's been about it, I think, as far as his, his spell goes. It's just been an absolutely woeful season from him. Um, I think wrongly, he's been given the captain's armband. Attitude wasn't right from the start. Um, the way he sulked, the way he's been an absolutely anonymous. I mean, we're, we're not exaggerating. You know, it, I, I hate to, but you could almost literally say he was anonymous in, in large parts of games. You know, he was brought off early again um, on on Sunday evening <coughs> to, to huge boos from the, the velodrome. They've clearly had enough with from him. His heart's not in it anymore. He's clearly thinking, yep, yeah, I've got my big move. It seems as though it's probably probably going to be China. Um, you know, so, you know, money is money is the factor for him. Um, he's just he's just not been good. And it's it's been an attitude that has really, I think, infected a large part of that team. You know, Tovam. Uh, start of the season again. It was a case of it was him. If, you know, if he wasn't scoring, Marseille weren't winning. It, it felt like, and um, you know, the, the pressure maybe of another season of that has got to Tovan a little bit because his form has has really tailed off. And really, it's only been the January signing of Balotelli um, that I think has just sort of given them that little tiny little bit of a fresh boost. Um, that I think allied with with the complete lack of consistency from teams above them um, that, that really brought Marseille back into you know the the Europa League and potentially Champions League discussion because certainly it was not by any means down to the performance of Marseille um, you know because even even when they were winning and I feel they brought like a broken record but even when they were winning they weren't playing particularly well. They, you know, they had the rub of the green. They, they were coming up against teams who were, were, you know, having an off day themselves. Um, but it, it's, it's been 
pretty rare this season where Marseille have completely dominated teams off the park, you know, from, from you know, minute one to minute 90. There haven't been too many games of that. And the top teams have those kind of games. You know, Lille have done it countless times this season. Lyon have done it, you know, a number of times this season. Saint-Étienne are currently doing it at the moment. Um, PSG, they're, well, they're PSG. Um, Marseille are just doing that too few and far between. Um, so it's it's been a real red flag, I think, to, to Garcia or whoever is in charge. If Garcia decides to walk away or they decide that, that Garcia's time is done, that squad needs a massive, massive um, overhaul because from front to back, there are glaring holes in, in that squad. You know, you look at the defence, I think they've they've struck a little bit lucky in that Coletta Carr and, and Kamara have at least forged something resembling a semi-decent centre-back pairing. They're still not rock solid. Kamara still does show off the fact that, and it's not, it's not to his, uh, not to the detriment of him. But centre back is not his first choice position. He's obviously very young still. Coletta Carr is new to the league. It's a partnership that potentially shouldn't work, but it just about does its job. Um, you know, they're still having to persist with Bunasara right back. I don't necessarily think that's that's you know it's sort of square peg round hole. Amavi has been, again, very, very hit and miss, but more often a miss at left back. So there's big, you know, big problems in defence. Mondondra, I think, has had one of his worst seasons for Marseille, and that's another position that they simply have to look at replacing in the summer. In midfield, again, I think big overhaul is needed. They had a big outlay on on Strootman, I think, has been a disappointment. Um, you know, you could argue that, that Sanson has just about been perhaps their best midfielder. Um, consistency is still a big concern for me of of his. Gustavo has spent too much time on the bench this season. You know, going forward, obviously, Payet, I mentioned how disappointing he's been. Tovan has started well, but the sort of struggles and pressure of, of being the source of, the only source of creativity in that team maybe got the best of him. Balotelli has obviously got got the goal since he came in in January. Uh, a Campos, you never know what you're going to get with him. Um, you know, on his day, he is a fantastic player, um, but his day just doesn't seem to come um, often enough. Um, you know, he was again. I don't think he had a particularly good game last night, but produced a moment of magic with that cross for for Balotelli's um, Balotelli's goal. So there's 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 a number of area, you know, number of positions that need for, and we've we've spoken about this before. This is nothing new. This should not be a shock to those in charge at Marseille, um, because if they'd have actually looked to have addressed this or started to address this, you know, probably two seasons ago when when issues in the squad were were started to become clear, they wouldn't be in this mess now. Now they're coming into a transfer window when I would say they probably need seven, eight, nine maybe even 10 quality players to flesh out that squad um, because it's not good enough, I don't think, to have the likes of, you know, well, what's your what's your options coming off the bench for, for, for attacking? Well, it's Clinton and G. 
And I've got nothing particularly against Clinton and G. But if you're going for Champions League football, which what is what Marseille should be going for, you need better options off the bench. Um, you know, you need better options in defence than you know, Adil Rami. He needs to be moved on. You need better options, um, you know, in midfield than you know an aging an aging Gustavo who was yes he's come to life a little bit in the last couple of games but has not been not been the same player. You need more than you know a, a, a too much money spent on someone like Strootman. Um, there's a there's too there's almost too much I think that needs to be done that this can now be, this net can now be solved in one transfer window. You know you feel as though they're actually you know what they're going to have to do as good a job as they can in the summer, and then go again in the transfer window come January next year because they've left it too late, uh, and all of a sudden now it's looking quite likely that this team won't have European football. Now why you know. With European football, going to Marseille makes some sense. It's obviously a, a club that's got a lot of history. It's a club that have got a you know a, a huge fan base, fantastic stadium. Marseille itself as a city is fantastic, brilliant position in France. All of that makes sense with European football. Without it and with the team in a, a, a position that they're in now where it's clear there are players there now that don't want to be there. It's clear there are players there that are nowhere near the quality that Marseille need. Why would you go to Marseille? You know, it, it, it doesn't make much sense. So they they need they need European football. They they need the the pulling power of even if it is just the Europa League, they need that pulling power. Uh, because if they don't, you know, I fear where next season can go for them. Yeah, it's interesting because then, uh, like you say, the the worry now is has been mentioned in a few places. Players they really probably want to keep at least anyway, not just because they're they're through their system and, and the likes, but uh, or or younger players, but players you could build around. Uh, I know they've they've floated out Sanson, and but even Lopez is taking interest, and surely you you try and keep one of them really coming in the summer. But it depends on if you can keep players that are going to be ambitious like that and whether this or the champions project sort of thing is is sort of dead in the water but the important thing is trying to get some new blood and and bits in because i think the thing they they forget about sometimes is like we've mentioned before a few times is that the pool they have in france i mean it's such a well-supported club and, and and every single player in france and, and a, especially of a french heritage knows the 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 history and the the excellent players that have been through the fantastic support they have i mean they have to look more inwards they have to stop being so continentally focused of thinking right we need the best players from from all over the, the fight from within i mean the fact that they didn't think of putting in a big offer for Issa Diop last summer when he went to West Ham and, and the like, why they didn't try and fight some of these players that go to Sevilla like Longley and, and, and um, Yoris Nyanyon. It just seems strange that they've never tried to throw their hat into some of these ones. Why aren't they? And, and now even, why isn't there speculation that they, they may be looking at, Yusuf Atal to come in at left back and who had a fantastic season. Why aren't they in for maybe a, a Remy Udan, a, a Ren, or, or looking at 
at some of the, the impressive players that have been in other clubs in the last couple of years. It just strikes me that they're, they're thinking too big picture. And also, coming back to sort of the game on Sunday, I don't think I've seen so many individual defensive mistakes in a game for a long while. I counted about four or five, really, that led to really clear-cut chances for Nolte, where they could have been where they could have really ran up the score. I mean, two of them clearly led to goals, but it's, it's been a symptom of their entire season. And the funny thing is, is it was a Marvy a lot of the time and it, he wasn't present on on Sunday and it kept happening still. It was Bunasar, it was Kamara having a little bit of a, of a brain fart, you might say. And it, it's just disappointing to see that they're still stuck in, in sort of first gear. And it, it's a shame for them, at least anyway, that they 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 look likely, at least anyway, of missing out unless less things happen uh, rapidly. But but very quickly before we move on, we'll credit to Nolan. They've been next in the last couple of weeks. Uh, thank you for um, Le Canary for making me eat my words because I was saying how disappointed I was this season and how they admittedly they, they had a, a good reason for it with it, the Emiliano Salah situation, but they had been pretty dull and, and uninteresting. But They've had a terrific couple of games and they've been really great to watch at the same time. So credit to them and uh, and uh, hopefully they can use that as a platform for next season and be a, a much stronger side fighting back in the sort of top half of the table instead. But uh, very quickly onto the relegation battle, really, Rich, because it, it's taking more twists than a game of bop here at the moment, really, to be fair. It's it's it's. In, in, we ne- we seem to have a grip on it and then it changes the next week because last week we thought because of Dijon's big win even though Com beat Nantes that uh, beat Nice sorry that um, it was really the mustard science thing to lose and lose they have because Com get another nice win and pr- probably for the first time it's the first time that, that Com weren't really dominated and nicked 1-0 although they might give the keys to the city of, to Brees Monday if, if they do manage to survive but uh, <laughs> fantastic win for them um, exactly when they need it yet again and leads into a, another game next weekend where if they win not only could they be a, a real distance apart from the the bottom to an automatic relegation but they could even pull in the sides above them given how they've played recently yeah it was it was a huge game you know momentum at this time of the season is massive and we know from the past couple, two, three seasons, can't have that experience at this time of the season to know how and when to, to pull in a performance. Um, you know, we've seen them get unlikely draws in the last the last two seasons. Their final game or close to their final game has been against PSG and they managed to come away despite playing horrifically for all season. They always just seem to just about scrape it and just about do enough. And it, it was it was the same story again against Dijon. You know, it was a it was a really tight game. Um, you know, whoever whoever silly thing to say, I know, but whoever came out of that game with three points, if there indeed was going to be a winner, just continues that momentum. You know, Dijon have had a couple of good res, uh, good results of late. You know, they they obviously won away at Lyon. They beat Rennes, um, and. You know, they came into this game with confidence. You had Khan off the back of a 1-0 away at, uh, a 1-0 win away at Nice. Then obviously a couple of weeks prior to that got the win away at Monaco as well. Um, you know, there was there was confidence in, in reason for both, I think, to have an element of confidence coming into this. So whoever came away with the win from this game, it was vital. It was hugely important. And for Khan to have got it. Um, you know, with the run-in that Khan have got, um, I, you know, it's it's not 
Um, you know, it's not necessarily the nicest of run runs in, but you know, they have now sort of destiny, if you like, in their own hands. They're away at Gangon um uh, at the weekend, which is another massive, massive game. You know, if they win that, I think they have license to feel, you know, a little bit like you know what safety really is 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 almost there. Uh, you know, Dijon don't have a particularly nice run in um, themselves, so I think for for Khan to come away from next week's game with three points as well, all of a sudden that's three wins on the bounce. Um, with you know three games of which arguably one is tricky, which is away at Lyon. They've got Reims at home, who probably by then I wouldn't imagine would have much to play for. Bordeaux, they finish with at home. Again, don't imagine they'd have particularly too much to play for at that point in time. They're winnable games as far as Khan go. Um, so I think there's a real feeling now in, in Khan, look, we've done this before. We know what's needed. We've got the win. We've got you know we've got that big win over Dijon. Um, Destiny, as I say, is in their own hands. Yeah, it's crazy to think that even if if Con win at the weekend, it's maybe not over because Dijon play Nantes, who, like I say, have been terrific recently. But just when you're on a four-game winning streak, it feels like a team like Dijon might beat you, and they've got Strasbourg, Paris Saint-Germain, who. Folded really, if if anything really, and and Toulouse who uh, can be a give me on a, on a certain day when on the last day of the season they won't be. So I don't think it's completely over yet, which is absolutely crazy. I'm not I'm not going to call who's going to stay up now. I, I, I think we've done it enough times to be proven wrong. We'll wait until someone mathematically is over, and that includes Gangon at least for now because. Their weekend game now, Rich, goes absolutely massive. I mean, uh, we mentioned on Thursday show that, that Nice, it depends on which Nice turns up to whether Gangop really stood a chance. And unfortunately, it was the uh, Atal show. He was absolutely terrific in the, the three goals he scored. But that means that they're now five points adrift of Cole. And that means that this game of the weekend, much like the opposite situation from Con and Dijon last weekend, means that if Con beat Gangop, there'll be eight points ahead of them with only nine remaining, um, which pretty much confirms their relegation. So it's all guns of the hill they need to win at Caen uh, next weekend. And that they'll be disappointed that they're coming out without the greatest of form after that cup final. And it's going to be a, a tall order, even against a, a Caen side. They'll feel like they can get points against. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing you can say for Gangot is of the three, they've certainly got the easier of the of of the run you know, run-ins. They've got Khan at home, away at Rennes, home to Nîmes, away at Amiens. So, you know, if you were going to choose a run-in for a team, that's not a million miles off what you would probably choose. You know, Nîmes and, and Amiens are safe, have achieved what they wanted to achieve. Nîmes have probably overachieved. Rennes, as you said before, you know, if they can win their remaining games, wouldn't it be great to finish as high as possible? But you know, they're they're going to be living off the, the the Coupe de France win for the rest of the season. They know they've got the Europa League football, so their eyes might not be fully um, fully on it. it. As a running goes, it's a nice running, I think, for Gangon. Um, so they have to, they have to re- retain that belief. Sadly, I think they also have to retain that belief of, you know what, they're going to have to probably win every single game, um, you know, to not only make up that gap, but to to, to put that distance then to to take them out of that 
those bottom two places. I'm not sure they're going to do it. I really am not. I'm I'm like you. I don't want to call who's going down, but I think with with the points that that Gangon now need to make up, you know, is it five points they have to make up? I think now um, to to get to 18th place. I'm just not sure they're going to do it. I think I think the the defeats that they have um, suffered recently, I think, has just knocked the confidence out of them. And I think it's probably um, they've left a little bit too much to do. I think with with the resources that they have available. So it, it's unfortunate that you know, if they do go down, because you know we know what a, a sort of romantic story gang on par in terms of their size and how long they've held on in, in league. Um, but um, I, if I was to make only one prediction with regards to the relegation, it's just that I just feel that there's too much I think for Gangomp to do now in the. The remaining games. Yeah, it's it is going to be tough, but I can always see a, a sequence of results like Monaco not beat, losing against Rennes in midweek, and then Gangon beating Colne and Dijon getting a point against Nantes, and Monaco failing against Santetti and leaving them on thirty-two, Colne on twenty-nine, Dijon on twenty-nine, and Gangon on twenty-eight, and then here we go again. <laughs> it's all it's all still well to play for with with three games to go with teams not just. Um, having a chance at uh, getting a relegation playoff, but even maybe pulling Monaco back into it or even Amion back into it. If, if anyone like, like I say, if Con wins, they go level with Monaco. Should they not gain any points in that game in hand or a point off Amion at least anyway. So it, it could really be a crazy end to the season, no matter how it sort of shakes out at the moment for some sides, it, it, it could really, um, still build up and be massive. But it's been a great league and weekend, which is why I think our league and snapshots that we'll finish on, Rich, is going to be pretty excellent. There's a lot to choose from, but what do you think your league and snapshot is this week? Um, it is tough. Um, I think there have been some spectacular goals this weekend. I think you can go back to... Um, uh, you can go to Jonathan Bamber's header. I don't think you'll find a better header than the header he put in in, in Lille's 5-0 win. Um, I think you could probably go back, um, certainly in terms of importance, to uh, Faisal Fajr's goal for Khan against Dijon. I'm going um, that's a cross, by the way. It is a cross. There's no, I don't think there's any doubt about it. But in terms of lucky strikes, you probably won't get many luckier ones this season in terms of obviously it being a goal and it wasn't perhaps intendable. So... The timing of it in, in particular, you know, how important that game was. But I think we've got to really this week, it's got to be uh, Youssef Atal. Um, and I think his performance um, in netting a hat-trick in, in Nice's 3-0 win over Gangon. I think as far as hat-tricks go, it's a fantastic one. You know, it's 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 not the perfect hat-trick in how we all understand perfect hat-trick to mean. But this first goal, fantastic left foot volley. From a from a long ball to the far post, right across goal, fantastic finish. Bear in mind he is a right back, although he is playing slightly further forward. And at some points during that game, he was actually playing probably left wing. I think it's probably how you'd best describe his position. Um, fantastic finish. His second goal pick up, picked up the ball just inside the Gangon half. Got a little bit lucky with a bit of a bobble. Got past a couple of players, but then sprinted through absolutely pierced that gang on midfield, pierced that gang on defence and just about got a touch 
Uh, yeah, it was a sort of 30, 35 yard run. Fantastic finish. And then the th- his hat trick goal was just a classic poacher's goal. Um, you know, far post cross, and he's ghosted in at the back post to, to tap in. Um, a real fantastic performance. You know, he's had a stellar season already. This will only, you know, put his name in, in, the, in the shop window more, even though Nice have supposedly come out and said, look, uh, you know, St. Maximum, yep, you can take him. Atal, no, he's staying. And it's interesting. I'm actually just reading the Telegraph reporting that Chelsea are, are potentially interested in, in signing him and, uh, you know, rating him at £35 million. Well, I think if Chelsea put in an offer of that, I think the, the Nice owners would find that very hard to turn down because I think certainly he has been one of the stars of the season and certainly one of the signings of the season. Um Bear in mind, Nice only picked him up um, back in July for 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 barely you know, pennies, really, for compared to what he's going to go for. So it was a real statement performance, I think, from from Atal, who will surely be subject to some big bids this summer. Yeah, it's going to be hard for them to keep him, I think. But I think that, like you say, that that warning of not being able to sell him is not just because they'd like to keep him, but also to drive the price up a bit. But I, I think you make a great point, Nice. If they can keep him, could build something interesting around him, especially with some money. They, like you say, there's a lot of points. Uh, I've already mentioned uh, Nolte, who were in Fuego at the moment, <laughs> four wins on the trot. And I mean, uh, you would, I think, if you would have told them before this run like, that you'd be uh, a Lecanary fan, that you'd beat Leon, you'd beat Paris Saint Germain, you'd beat Amiel, and you'd beat Marseille, they would. <laughs> they would have laughed in your face, really, and they've they've really shone in the last couple of weeks after what has been a relatively poor second half of the season. But I think we have to talk about the five 0 drubbing for Lille against Nîmes because it was an excellent second half performance by the team that are going to be in the Champions League next season. There's a lot of superlative to say about this team this season. Lido have been absolutely excellent, but I I think the stat I mentioned in the 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 run-up then that, that there was five different goal scorers and five completely different assist makers in that 5-0 victory is <laughs> exemplary. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game quite like it. It's it's it's, it's very much um, symbolic of what Lille have made this season. They aren't a team of individuals despite the the excellence of Pepe and Teo Mendes and, and Rafael Liao and uh, but and the fact that I'm naming more than one player there I should point out the obvious that this is a real team and, and Galtier has made a great team of it and uh, terrific for them to see what they're doing and and also nice to see Robert Berich getting a brace after what had been a has been a difficult year or so at Saint Etienne and him not quite being the striker we thought he might be when he first came and um, when he had a, a good little run and great to see him get a brace and be a part of a a Leverkusen team that's gonna really be interesting if they go to Europe and can keep Gasset as well interested in the in the club as well. Uh, that's all that we have for this week. My thanks to Rich and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the previous show which will be back on Thursday and the main show will be back at the same time same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.